Amen. Praise be to God. We are going to turn our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. And I will read some verses that God wants me to and expound where the Spirit of the Lord wants me to and continue when He wants me to and stop when He wants me to. So please um, pay close attention to what the Spirit of the Lord would say at this hour and uh, make it your own. First Samuel chapter 15 from verse 1 onwards. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. I want to stop right here because it's a very important verse. We have studied about what anointing is in our life training school. We've also studied about what anointing is in our Bible studies um, and fasting prayer, perhaps, whenever the Lord spoke. Anointing equals authority to fulfill a particular task given by God. Anointing equals authority given by God to fulfill a particular task that God has for that person. And you have God using his servants that he has anointed and given them power to distribute or to give certain power in order for them to be able to execute that which God wanted them to execute or wants them to execute. So you look over here, Samuel was a prophet of God, anointed by God to anoint kings, to place them where God wanted him to place them, to do a particular task. And during Samuel's lifetime, Samuel anointed Saul, and Samuel the prophet, he anointed David. We see here that the Lord said to Samuel to anoint Saul as king over Israel. And so Samuel is coming. Samuel is coming to Saul and Samuel is telling Saul this. Or Samuel is having a conversation with Saul and Samuel is telling Saul this. And Saul lost his donkey and... Saul was in a search for his donkey and and he gets to Samuel the prophet and everything is ordained by God. So there was something that was missing and that missing thing was overseen by God to lead him to the prophet Samuel. In order for Saul to be a blessing, for Saul to be blessed and in order for Saul to be a blessing to God's people. So there is this hand of God that is upon Samuel, upon Saul, upon the work of God that God has planned. So there is this plan of God that is taking place. We have to understand this. Anytime God moves, he moves intentionally and he has a purpose for everything. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. The plan of God, the perfect will of God for Israel was for God to lead Israel through the prophets that God had placed upon Israel to lead them, to feed them, to judge them, to to 
provide for them to be everything for them. God himself leading Israel through prophets that God had placed over Israel. But when Israel looked at the neighboring countries and they started uh, lusting after what they had and they said, this is what we want, this is what we want, this is what we want. And when they went to Samuel the prophet and they said, we want this, we want this, we want this, we want this. Because they insisted, God gave to them what they wanted. But God is such a good God. He said, okay, within this, I'll make a provision because we have to understand the Messiah has to come. The Messiah has to come. And so the entire plan of God with the Abrahamic covenant, the Messiah's coming is the primary thing, even with Abraham's covenant that God made with Abraham. So the Messiah had to come through the line of Abraham, through the seed of Abraham. And wherever there was a deviation, God will come and he will make an alternate route there so that the path for Messiah, for the Messiah to come, be made plain. Every hindrance was removed. But one thing needs to be there all the time, which is a line that is holy, remnant that is holy. So we see here that even though they were insistent on getting a king for themselves, and it was not the perfect will of God, God made a provision, you know, you can call that the permissible will of where God says, okay, it's what you want, I'll give this to you, but within this, I'll make a provision, I'll choose someone who will be righteous, someone who will be humble, someone who will do the will of God so that the the line of the king be holy and pure. And so God is moving Samuel the prophet. And now with this in mind, we will just read First Samuel chapter 15, where Samuel said, to Saul here, verse 1, Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. If you're underlining, we need to um, note this, which is God sent me, the prophet, to anoint you, which is Saul, to move him from Saul to King Saul to accomplish God's work. And the work was over whose people? God's people. His people. Israel. So the people are his. The kingdom is his. And God is taking a person to do his work. He said, you will do my job. And so I'm going to put you here. This is the hand of God. So when God picks a person, he says that I'm going to ordain you for this. I'm going to anoint you for this. And it is for a job, for a particular job. Now, Saul was not ordained to be a prophet. Saul was not anointed to be a prophet. So we have to understand anointing doesn't mean that a person is anointed to do everything and everyone's job. No. Anointing is a restricted authority given by God for a specific task. Whatever job you're supposed to do, the authority is given just for that. And so the authority that was given by God for Saul 
through Samuel, which will come when Samuel will anoint him, is to be the king that God wanted him to be, to rule over the kingdom that God has for Saul to rule over. That means to do what God wanted him to do. That means now the prophet is still there. You rule over through the prophet that God has placed by listening to the prophet and receiving. Before, there was no king in the middle. It was God, the prophet, and the people. But because the people wanted a king in the middle, so now the king comes there, and now it's God, prophet, king, people. So the king is there in the middle, but God is still leading his people through the prophet, God ordained means. But now there's a little... A little um, deviation that came because the people said, we want king, we want king, we want king. And so now you have a king in the place where God is placing, but the king is supposed to be led by the prophet of God that God has placed, who hears from God and then give it to the people. That means he's supposed to do whatever he is told to do because he's been placed in that position through the prophet of God that God has placed over him. This is where Samuel, re- Saul really missed the mark. When he became the king, he thought, I'm independent. I know what to do. You know what? I have been placed over these people and Samuel is Samuel, but you know what? I can do my own thing. This is where he fell. Very important. Every believer needs to understand their place in the kingdom of God and know that God has placed me here and this is where God is placed. And I need to have listening ears and the humility to receive God's counsel and to execute that counsel exactly the way God wants me to. If any kind of self comes in saying that I hear from God, Samuel can say this, but you know what? I can do this on my own. It is going to lead them into disaster. Now we see how Saul actually lost his call, lost his kingdom, even though he was ordained, even though he was anointed. What happened? Did it continue? Was that anointing sustained? No. Now the question that asked and and the answer that we will see even more specific here during this chapter, you know, the course of this chapter where the Holy Spirit is recorded, the next chapter and the following chapter, you see a pattern that you see. What happened? Saul was humble and this is why God picked him to put him there. But all of a sudden, where God placed him, suddenly he became proud. Suddenly he thought, I can do this. He forgot where the anointing came from. He forgot how God placed him. He forgot that even the fact that he has the spirit of God is because of the prophet that God had placed over him. And this is how he's supposed to be led. But suddenly like he thought, I can do it on my own. I can do it on my own. And this is where we see in the following chapters how the spirit of God was given by God through Samuel left Saul, left Saul. And after it left Saul, it was replaced with what? Tormenting spirit. Now that could be anxiety. That could be depression. That could be suicide. That could be whatever it is. Tormenting spirit means it's not a light thing. It's torment. Torment does not come from the Holy Spirit. But when there's a violation and when Anybody goes against the very person that God uses in their lives to be where they need to be. Then God moves against them at that point and God himself sends, just like how he sends plagues, how do plagues come? There are spirits that are responsible to bring diseases. Just like how he sends plagues and just like how God says in his word that he causes natural calamities, just like how God says that he, you know, sends these things. He also sends spirits 
that will torment. When? When that person has turned against God, by turning against the anointing of God, turning against the very servant of God that God has used in their lives. So we have to be very careful. We have preached on this before, but the Spirit of God has brought this again today. And so that's the reason why we're speaking on this today. Why it's the Spirit of God is speaking on this today. Very important. We can never think that, well, I got this from the servant of God. Now I can run and make my own and I can do whatever I want to do. I can, you know, say anything, do anything, and I'm on my own. That is pride. That's what caused Saul to fall miserably. And so when you look at this, you see Samuel is talking to Saul, giving him a specific counsel. Anytime a counsel comes from God's servants, it's important to do it exactly the way you're told to do. When the deviation comes and we play Lord over the Lord's counsel, at that point, we're bowing down to Lucifer, who's taking you in another route for your own downfall. Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. So God sent Samuel to anoint Saul to be king over Israel. Specific task, anointing from God through Samuel to Saul for a given task. Now, you see here, now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. That means whatever God is speaking right now through Samuel, hear it, heed. That means take heed. That means not just listen, but listening equals obeying. Not just hearing, but listening equals obeying. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them. Now, when you look at this, you see how the Spirit of God moves the prophet to give a very specific instruction to kings, to Saul and have him do a specific assignment given by God to fulfill what God wanted him to. That's the reason why he has put him there. And he has the power and God will give him the victory and he has to do what God had told him to do because Amalek did cruel things to the children of Israel before. God says in his word, he who touches you touches the apple of God's eye. Anytime people go against those who are innocent, anytime people go against those who are God's people, they're just doing their own thing and you go and you bother them and, and you go and you, you assault them and you go and you, you, you tear them down and tear their families down and do whatever it is, then what happens is God sees all of that and there's a log book in which everything is logged. And what he does is there's a day that God has marked in his calendar where he says that I will require that from the hands of those who have done evil to my people. God is speaking to our hearts today. Every injustice that has been done to God's people Every evil that has been done to God's people, it's all noted. And God, the righteous judge, will take action in his time when God's people will wait patiently on him and and do that which God wants them to do. That means don't repay evil for evil, but do good. And God who sees our righteousness before him will execute his judgment upon those who don't deserve the goodness of God that comes through the people of God. God is speaking to our hearts today. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord of hosts. And he says, I'm a God of justice and I see everything. 
Whatever is happening, whatever evil is being done to my people, I see it. And I will not simply sit and watch what is happening. God says, I will require it from the hands of the evildoers. So it's a promise and a prophecy that God is speaking for his people at this hour. Whatever injustice has, whatever injustice been done to you, whatever wickedness that has been done by someone to you, the God of justice who sees everything says this, this night, that I have everything logged in my logbook and the payday is coming. If you don't repay evil for evil, then God will pay you with his righteousness, with his reward. And those who do evil for good, God says, he will repay them for the evil that they did to God's people. This is the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking at this hour. Take it very seriously. God Almighty, who sees all things, will bring justice to your situation. This is a prophecy God is speaking at this hour. God Almighty, who is seeing your situation, will bring justice. He will bring justice. He's the just God. He will bring justice to your situation. So it's important for you to just step back and seek the Lord and say, God, you do what you can do. I'm going to step back and I'm going to do what I should do before you. And God, in his mercies, he'll not only bring his justice at the right time, but will also reward you for your faithfulness to God in obeying what God has told you to do. So now you see here, Saul has been commissioned by God to bring justice as a king. His part here is Samuel is still the judge. He's still judging. He's still, and the judgment of God is coming through Samuel to Saul for Saul to execute that because you have a king now. And now Saul goes and he does what he was told, but he did it partially. And he said, I'm going to see what will bring me profit. And you know what? Samuel, the prophet told me to do this. And he told me to do this. I will do this. And then I will do what I want to do too. Because I have the spirit of God too. Can I prophesy too? Oh, that's where the problem is. When someone receives something from God, as a result of God anointing them for a particular task. And suddenly they think that I could do what the prophet does. I can do what they're doing. I can bypass what God has spoken and told me to do. Because I feel something differently. I think something differently. At that point, someone else is coming in between. Some of the spirit. Leading them astray because that wasn't the counsel given by God through prophet Samuel. So what do they do? They are now deviating and going astray. And that going astray path is the downward path of failure, even though God had promised a lot over Saul. Even for his generation, God had promised to Saul. And because of God's anointing that God gave to Saul through Samuel, laying hands on him and pouring the oil over him, anointing him king over Israel. A different heart was given to God, given by God to Saul. All these things happening through Samuel there. And now with, with faith in Saul, 
that Saul would do everything God will speak through Samuel for Saul to do. God is actually placing his spirit upon Saul. That's where it is. It's all hinging on one thing, which is obedience to God and through the God-ordained authority that God has placed over Saul. Now, what happens here? Verse 10. If someone says, well, God knows everything, and so he's not surprised by your disobedience, they are lying through their teeth, and they're speaking for Lucifer, remember. Let's read First Samuel chapter 15, verse 10. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. When did he stop following the living God? When he started disobeying. Always remember, any counsel given by God, you say that, well, I'll mix my two cents in, one cent in, half a cent in. It's not going to do any good for you. Because at that point, you're not following the Spirit of God. You're doing something else opposite to what the Spirit of God has said. That means you're following some other spirit, not the Spirit of God. Now, the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. God has regrets. Do you know that? God greatly regretted and grieved that he created mankind. Oh. Oh, oh, think about that. God has grief. We should never be the cause of God having grief. Now, God has grief over here. See, God had grief over an entire population. And God has grief over one individual that he trusted. He trusted Saul to fulfill that which God had called him for by being obedient to the prophet that God had placed over him. What happened? What happened? What happened to Saul? All of a sudden, Saul's head became big. All of a sudden, pride got to the head of Saul. All of a sudden, Saul thought, I can do that, and I prophesy too. Samuel is the only one who prophesied. I prophesy too. I do things. You totally forgot that. There was a transfer that happened, and it's a limited power given by God for a limited job. Oh, that wasn't the case for Samuel. Samuel was called to be a prophet, a judge, a shepherd, and everything over Israel. Saul was called for a limited job. And he was not faithful in that limited thing that was given into him. All of a sudden, he became proud. He said, I'll do my own thing. Samuel said this, okay, I'll do it, but I'll do it partially. Partial obedience is disobedience. Because now you have taken what God said, and you mix it with whatever the idea that Lucifer brings, and now you say that, I am obeying God, that is a lie that you speak before God. God is speaking to a heart today. It's important to have integrity at the core of your being. It's important to have integrity at the core of your being. If integrity is lacking, God cannot trust you with anything. God is speaking at this hour. Now, the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord all night. This is the heart of a real prophet. Even when someone goes astray, they don't say that, well, you go astray. God, um, who's next? No, this is great sorrow and great grief. Because God's heart is in Samuel's. 
The heart of a prophet carries the heart of God. When God's heart is grieved, Samuel's heart is also grieved. He feels the grief of God. He feels the great grief of God. And with, and with this great grief, Samuel was crying all night. Oh, Saul, what have you done? What have you missed? You've missed the call of God. What have you done, Saul? Samuel is crying. Saul, not a care in the world. But who was actually weeping? The servant of God here. Weeping before God. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told, Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel. And indeed, he set up a monument for himself. He has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. That's what Saul is more concerned about. How can I make this for my own benefit? He totally forgot that he was placed by God to fulfill God's work. He forgot. He's saying that let me go and set up a monument. I had a big thing, you see? That's what pride will do. Pride will manifest in different forms and shapes. We have to understand. A believer should have nothing to do with pride. It's number one enemy. It will cause the biggest downfall for a believer. The spirit of pride has gotten many people deep to the depths of hell. It actually caused Lucifer to lose his place in heaven. It actually caused many, many, many people to go down to the grave early. It has caused many, many people to lose their God-given place in the kingdom of God. Pride is your number one enemy, remember. Anytime you give room to pride, fall that will come at the heels of that will be swift. God is speaking to hearts today. Don't give any room to pride. No matter what it is, don't give any room to pride. Then Samuel went to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I performed the commandment of God. You see that? This is delusion already. Where he's saying, I did what you told me to. Oh, Samuel. Oh, Samuel, blessed are the Lord. What is he trying to say? He's trying to greet him as if he's done everything, as if there's nothing wrong, as if he's walking right. All the words look very good on the outside. You call that the great deception. Saul, what have you done? Do you think Saul didn't know? Saul knew what he did. But Saul is acting like he did everything right. God is speaking to our today. Two-facedness is an abomination before God. What you're on the inside, if it's covered with another image on the outside, God who sees the inside will expose that outside. God is speaking to our hearts today. Now, when he said, I have performed the commandment of the Lord, the prophet of God who sees whatever God wanted to see, says this. What Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? 
and Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, but the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Can you see the deception here? Where the deception is continuing, where it has been spiritualized. Oh, I'm doing this for God's sake. I'm doing this for God's name. I'm doing this for God's glory. I'm doing this for ministry. I'm doing this to serve the Lord. You see the deception here? That's what deceptive spirit will do. Deceptive spirit will bring disobedience. And with the disobedience will come a cover up in the name of God. All those things we brought out to the open, just as it was brought out here. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. Saul is spiritualizing his disobedience and he's saying that I did everything God told me to. And, and you know what? The people, they did it. Deception will always point fingers at the next person. They'll say, they did, they did, they did, they did. You know what? I did what God told me to, but they did not. But we have to be honest enough to take responsibility for our own sins. That's the first step to recovery. That's the first step to blessing. That's the first step to restoration. Now Saul is saying this. Oh, oh, they did it. And we want to sacrifice to God. Oh, by the way, whose God is? Your God. Do you see that? There's this web that he is spinning and he's spinning around himself. He's spinning to the extent where that web is going to choke him. And he will not be a free man anymore. God is speaking to our hearts today. Do not take lies as your covering. When you take lies as your covering, the very lies that you hide yourself in will choke you. It will choke you. And at that point, no matter how hard you try, those webs will become like iron webs around you. The Spirit of the Lord is speaking around at this time. Be careful. Be real. Be honest. Be true before God. Be sincere in the presence of God. Be sincere in the house of God. Be sincere in your commitment to God. And then God's blessing will overflow. And Saul said, they brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. You know how many people will get offended at this? You told me be quiet. I got hurt. You told me be quiet. After doing wrong, people have the nerve to look at the servants of God and say, you hurt my feelings. You told me this. You should have said it this way. Forgetting it's the spirit of God who's moving the servants of God to say what they need to say for your own good before you fall in the pit that you cannot recover yourself from. When correction comes from the spirit of God through God's servant, it is the mercy of God. It is the mercy of God to clean you up, to dust you off the dust that you've put yourself under. When correction comes from God through the servants of God, humble yourself and receive it, knowing that you have erred from the truth. This is why God is speaking. It is important 
it is important, it is important to know your place in the house of God. It is important. Don't give room for the devil in any way, because from there will come your downfall. Samuel said to Saul, who was placed by Saul as the king, do you know what? Samuel, the prophet, is over King Saul. And he says, be quiet. That means shut up right now. Do not talk a word after this. Enough of what you're saying. Because there's no truth. Even though you're caught, you're trying to escape, trying to make yourself look good and say that, oh, you know, I do this because I do this because I do this because God is not interested in you because God knows you did what you did. Yeah, because it's a cover-up. It's not the truth. It is important to take the correction of God as it is and humble yourself so that God can bless you, so that you can be blessed. It is the mercy of God that correction comes. And this is where you see the pride showing up even more. It's not a good thing. It's ugly. It's very ugly. When pride shows up, it's ugly. That's when that defensiveness will come because being defensive is a form of pride. And you don't want others to think that you are something and you want them to think that you are something else. That's when being defensiveness, being defensive comes. The defensive nature comes out because it is an expression of pride. And now the prophet of God is saying, be quiet enough. I will tell you what the Lord said to me. Last night, last night, when you did this, God saw this, God saw what you did and it is displeasing to the Lord and the Lord is moving the prophet to come and say, and before that stuff, Saul is trying to become all defensive and trying to say that, well, I did everything right and I'm good and, and what you said is not good for me to hear. And you know what, Samuel, you're wrong. I'm right. And this is where Samuel the prophet says, close your mouth and listen. This is what God told me last night. And he said to him, speak on, say it. Let me hear, let me hear what he said. Say, you call the arrogance. He's already exposed, but he's still hiding himself behind lies. And he says that, well, say it, say it, say it, say it. What is he doing? He's digging a deeper pit for himself. God is speaking at this hour. The Lord of hosts is speaking at this hour. Be very careful. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not the head of the tribes of Israel? You were little in your own eyes, but you were something. And did not the Lord anoint a king over Israel when you were little with some little thing you were having? Didn't God anoint you over king over Israel? That means didn't God give you a job to do? Saul, didn't God give you a job to do? It's God who gave you a job to do. It's God. You had something and God saw and he trusted you and he said, I'm going to give you a job to do. And he gave you a bigger job to do, trusting you with that job. Now the Lord sent you on a mission. Who sent? God sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites and fight against them until they are consumed. And I already said that God never goes and says, okay, you are a sinner. I'm going to destroy you. No, God so loved the world that he gave Jesus Christ. For every sinner, including us, when we sinned before. His blood came and forgave us and restored us and made us righteous before God so we can live right before God. But this talks about 
the people who are so wicked, they went against the innocent. They went against the people of God. And they brutally killed God's people. They brutally attacked God's people and showed them no mercy. And God's justice is being executed at this time. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down to the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? God is asking this through the prophet Samuel. Why did you do this? Why didn't you do what God told you to do? Furthermore, why did you do this? And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I've destroyed, utterly destroyed the Amalekites. You see, to what extent he is justifying? There are a lot of people like that who say, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, whatever the Lord says, tell me. But when the Lord says, they become all defensive. You can just see it on their face. Just a color will change. They will not want to listen. At that point, they say, we don't want to look bad. And they'll try everything from their books to show that they're good and to show what they did was good. Meanwhile, God is showing completely different. Is God a liar or, or there's a problem with you? Especially when God brings prophet Samuel, there has to be some kind of fear. The fear of God has to be there. The fear of God has to be there so you can listen and say, okay, I need a change in this. I better change. It's the grace of God that's coming to me. But at that point, when you still try to justify and say that, well, we're doing good and I'm doing good and, and I did what the Lord said and I'm walking, right? And there are a lot of people when I ask them, how are you doing? How's your family doing? They'll say, we're doing good. We're praying. We're reading. We're doing good. And that's not what God shows me. At that point, you know what I say? Praise God. Time will show. We need to be true. You want help? You need help from the Lord? Be true when you go for counseling for servants of God. Be true when the Lord moves a servant of God to ask you a certain question. And the question is not a casual question. Remember that. That question is coming so that you can be helped. At that time, when you close the door and say, we're fine, we're good, we're all praying, we're all reading, we're all doing good. There's no hope for you at that point. Because the Spirit of God will pass by and go to the next person who really says, I need help. Like the man who went in the temple and he beat him on his chest and he said, Oh God, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, have mercy. I'm not even worthy to stand here, have mercy on me. And he went home justified. God is looking for those who are humble. That's what is very attractive to God. Be real. Be real. Don't try to play nice. Be real. Now he's giving, verse 21, let's read this, where the people took the plunder, sheep, and oxen, and the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. Instead of doing your own thing, be smart and do what that, do that which God has told you to do. Simple as that. When pride is there at the forefront, it'll say, why should I do what I'm told to do? Why can I do what I want to do? That's pride. Because it'll keep you from inheriting your promised land. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You know, as bad as witchcraft is, God says rebellion is just like that. Rebellion is not witchcraft in itself, but rebellion is as bad 
as witchcraft. There are a lot of people who take the scripture and then they make a whole message out of it. Rebellion is as bad as a sin of witchcraft. So how God hates and abhors witchcraft. God abhors and hates rebellion equal to that. It goes in the same place. I want to stop here and address this as the Holy Spirit wants me to. Dabbling in witchcraft, dabbling in horoscope, dabbling in tarot card, dabbling in any kind of occult is an abomination to God because you are in league when, with Satan himself. And Satan is out to kill, steal, and destroy. Once he's done that with you, he'll be happy. He'll go to the next victim. You don't be a victim. Make sure you and your family stay safe by staying far away from anything to do with the occult. There's no such thing as white witchcraft and black witchcraft and white magic and black magic. Satan is Satan. He is black. Satan is Satan. He is dark. Satan is Satan. He is wicked and evil. There's nothing as white witchcraft and black witchcraft. Witchcraft is witchcraft. Understand that. We have to stay far away from the enemy. We have to stay far away from the works of darkness. Stay far away from anything that resembles the occult. Stay far away from those who are involved in occult. Stay far away. Stay far away. Stay far away. You need to know that unless they really want to change, be very careful in who you associate yourself with. Be very careful. Because witchcraft will take a person straight to hell. Those who say that I'm a white witch, I'm not a black witch, and you know, there's no green witch, white witch, black witch. Witch is a witch. Wizard is a wizard. A Wicca is Wicca. Satanism is Satanism. Occult is occult. I'm standing here as a servant of God and telling you as the mouthpiece of God what God wants me to say this night. Anything to do with Satan, anything to do apart from God Almighty, and it goes against what God has said, is from Satan. No matter what you try to say, it is from Satan. It is from darkness. It is from the dark world. It is from the prince of darkness who is evil himself. There is no such thing as whiteness in him. He is dark. There is no such thing as light in him. There is no light in darkness. God is light in him there and in him there is no darkness at all. Satan is darkness and in him there is no light at all. May God have mercy upon all those who have sold themselves to Satan because their end is miserable. Because they go to a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. All those who dabble in a cult, all those who dabble in witchcraft, all those who have any kind of association with anything to do with dead spirits. First of all, let me tell you this. There's no such thing as dead spirits coming and talking to human beings. Those are demons posing themselves to be dead spirits and they will come and talk. Because once it is appointed, the Bible says that it is appointed for man to be once born, whether it's man or woman, they are born once, they have a birthday, and then they have a death day. Just like you have birth certificate, you'll have a death certificate when you die. You all get a certificate on earth, which will all be burned anyway. But in God's account, you, when you enter into this world, where God gives you permission to enter in, you enter in with an assignment. 
And when God says, your story is over, exit out, you cannot stay in this world anymore. Those who have done the will of God will majestically enter into eternity where God is, where the angels of God will take them into the presence of God. For those who have really, really pleased the Lord in all things, Jesus Christ himself will stand up for them when they go to meet Jesus Christ face to face. Well, I want that kind of an entry when I see God, when God calls me, when my time on earth is over, when that day and when that moment comes, what a blessed day that will be. Each person should have the desire to go and meet God face to face when Jesus Christ will stand up for you because you did everything God told you to do. That The king of the universe, the word himself will stand up for you to say, well done, you faithful servant. Well done, you good servant. Well done, you loyal servant. Now, I'll make you ruler over many things. That faithfulness and loyalty to God is must, is, is a needed thing. It's a must. Now, Samuel, the prophet, is looking at Saul and he's saying these things. I want to go back to something that I just addressed as the Holy Spirit wants me to. So just going back a little bit, which is there's no such thing as talking to the dead. It is appointed for once a man to be born and then to die. After dying, the Bible says he has to face the living God. There's no intermediate state. There's no any wandering state. There's no anywhere, anywhere, no matter what you do. Whether a person does whatever it may be, whichever way they died. They have no work here anymore. They can never enter into that body anymore. No matter how powerful you may be, what a billionaire, millionaire you may be. Once you are told to exit out of the body, the body is closed. You can never enter into that body anymore. Next, you go to a place where you chose while you were on the face of the earth, which is if you chose heaven, you go to heaven. If you chose hell, you go to hell. And how do you choose heaven and how do you choose hell? You choose heaven by taking the Lord of heaven to be your Lord. That means you obey him at every turn, at every point while on earth. You choose Satan by obeying him while you're on earth at every point, every turn. By disobeying God, you obey Satan. By disobeying Satan and by obeying God, you say that God is your Lord. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. So those who make the choice to go to be with Jesus Christ by serving him, by having him the Lord of their lives, will go to be with him. Those who must, those who obey the master of darkness, which is Satan, and give themselves over to fear, give themselves over to suicide, give themselves over to drug addiction, alcohol addiction, cigarette addiction, whatever addiction, pornography, immorality, whatever it is. It may be anger, lust, whatever it is. Satan is their dominating force. And what will Satan do? You are my slave. You come to my house and he'll take those people right to his house. Where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. The people who think that they commit suicide here, they think that my pain is gone. Oh, no. The pain will start there. Worse pain starts there. People who think that, okay, you know, I can overdose on this and then I'm free. You're not free anymore. You become the worst prisoner there. Freedom comes here while you have life on earth right here. While the chance is given, you go to the Lord God who sets you free. When the Son of Man sets a person free, he is free, utterly free, totally free. 
But those who stay bound and say, well, I will stay bound, and they go bound, they become a prisoner of darkness, and that slave owner, the boss who has those prisoners as captive, will take them and throw them in a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Because he'll say, you served me, and this is where I am, because this place is reserved for me, Satan will say, because it is reserved for him, by God Almighty. God is speaking to our hearts today. So, no grandma, no grandpa, no uncle, no aunt, no niece, no nephew, no whoever it is who is dead. When you go and sit before a witch or you do witchcraft and try to call them and communicate with them, it's not that person talking to you. It's a demon that has taken their form and it's standing in front of you and speaking, giving you lies. Giving you lies to take you straight to hell. To bind you in that web that you have gotten yourself into. There's no truth whatsoever with Satan because he's a father of lies. Do you think that he can give you even a sentence of truth? Can the father of lies give you a sentence of truth? No. He's a deceiver. He can say, I'll give you candy. But inside the candy will be poison. Hey, I'll give you water. But with the water will be arsenic. He'll say, hey, I'll give you food. With that food, it'll be poison. He'll say, I'll give you wealth. With that wealth will be a lot of sorrow attached to it. At the end is one tag that's tagged at the end of everything that Satan will offer. And it's called death. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Any form of occult, any form of witchcraft, any form of speaking to anything that you think is not alive here and you're not speaking to the real person, but you're speaking to something that you think is dead, but it's showing up. It is not anyone you love. It is Satan sending evil spirits, taking that form because they can take forms. They'll come and stand and they'll give you what you want to hear because they want you to be his slave so he can take you to where he is for the rest of eternity. Back to the scripture. Verse 23, rebellion is a sin of which, by the way, don't go to palm reading. Don't say, I want to see what my palm says and what I'm going to see what's tomorrow and what I'm going to see what's next month. I want to go find out what's happening to my son, what's happening to my daughter, what's happening to my grandparent, grandpa, whoever it is, or whatever is happening to me. Don't go there. Satan will give you lies. And once you enter into those territories, understand this. Satan has curse. He will place those curses upon you. He'll give you nice things to hear. And with that will come all kinds of torment. Don't go to the place of death because there's no life there. Don't go to palm reading. Don't go to soothsayers. Don't go for tarot cards. Don't go to Ouija boards. Don't go to anything that has any kind of darkness attached to it. And don't you say, well, this is not dark and this is fun. Well, Satan will not offer any fun. If weeping and gnashing of teeth is his baggage. He'll make your life miserable here and make your life more miserable there. Be careful. The Spirit of God is speaking at this hour. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. When you rebel against the counsel of God, the whole counsel of God, when you say that, well, I don't have to listen to everything, this is because God is talking to me too. Well, the pastor may say this, but that's not what God's saying to me. Really? When did you become wiser than those whom God has appointed over you? From when did you have the spear that says that I'm leading you differently than the ones I've placed over you? Is that the spirit of God? 
is it? It's not. It's not. So what spirit is it? What spirit is it? You answer that yourself. It's not the spirit of God. So what spirit is it? The spirit of rebellion. It's a disobedient spirit. The same spirit that came to Saul who was anointed. The same spirit that came to Saul who was taken up from where he was when he was little in his sight. God brought Samuel and God said, I'll place you here. The same spirit that came to cause him to fall comes to people. God says, I'll give you jobs to do. Comes to them from time to time to see how you can push them from the place that God has for them. And stubbornness is as iniquity as idolatry. How God hates witchcraft and hates idolatry. Any form of idol worshiper, any form of idol, or any kind of idols that you may have. This is God's word. I'm reading First Samuel chapter 15. And I'm reading verse 23. Witchcraft is bad, very clearly. Idolatry is bad. Any type of idolatry, any type of idol. Idols of angels, idols of Jesus, idols of Mary, idols of Joseph, idols of yourself, idols of whatever it may be. Don't make any idols and don't worship any idols. Because God is not in those idols. If God is not in those idols, who is there? If God says, I hate idolatry, who is there in it? Even if that idol cries or talks or jumps around, who is there? We know there are two forces on earth. The force of darkness and the force of light, which is God himself. If God says, I hate that I'm not in it, then who is causing those things to happen? Because something is happening, we just run after it. We think that it's God. No, it's not. What does the Bible say? This is why it's so important for us to know what God's word says. What does the Bible say? What does God's word say? What does he say? What does he say? Do we care about what he says? Do you care about what he says? Am I in the right or am I in the wrong? Am I knowing the truth or am I going after the lies? What am I going after is something that we need to know for a fact. It's better for us to know that we have been lied to than to think that I would rather believe the lie as a truth because it's hard for me to hear. Oh, what a tragedy that'll be. What a tragedy that'll be. What a tragedy that'll be. Don't go anywhere to any place where you have idolatry. Where you have idols and you say, that well, these idols are the idols that come from the Bible. And that's the Peter and that's the idol of Peter and that's the idol of Paul and that's the idol. Don't worship any of those and don't go to any place that worships that. God is speaking to hearts today. So stubbornness, if you're stubborn in obeying the things of God. And when you're told to do something and you're stubborn saying that I'm not going to do that. God says that stubbornness is equal to idolatry. There are a lot of people who say that, well, I'm not an idolater. I'm not in, into idolatry and I don't worship anything and I only worship God. But you know what? They're stubborn people. God says, I see you just like the one who worships idol. You're just like that. Rebellious generation, stiff-necked generation is just like those who do witchcraft. So what's the difference between somebody who calls themselves a believer and someone who doesn't even know that who are pra- and who is practicing witchcraft? What's the difference? Nothing. Nothing. There are many Christians who sit in the sanctuary, who sit in the house of God all over the world, claim themselves to be Christian, but they are stubborn, rebellious. 
God says, you're just like that guy there. You're just like this guy there. You're just like the one who practices witchcraft. You're just like those who are in idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. When does the call of God be removed from those who are called? When can someone fall from the call of God? When? When they refuse to obey what God has told them to do. Because you know what? He's a boss. You go to a company and you work for them. And when they give you orders, you don't do that. You do your own thing. What will they do? They'll fire you. Why do you think God should keep you there? When you don't want to follow what God has told you to do, he will fire you. God Almighty fired Saul from the job that God gave through Samuel. God Almighty speaks. He spoke through Samuel to Saul. Because you rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. There's a reason. Good reason, God is saying. Because you're not going to do my job. Why should you be there? You're going to do damage to my kingdom. You're going to do damage to my people. You shouldn't even be there. God is speaking to our hearts today. Never think that, well, God is called. God is anointed. God is appointed. So I'll be here and do whatever I want to do. No, you're here to do his will. If he has called you, it is for his purposes. If you can't do that, then he will remove you. Someone comes and says, oh, the call of God is irrevocable. Oh, whatever God has given is irrevocable. They can say whatever they want, but that's not what my Bible says. I can show you scripture after scripture after scripture. Because he calls a person to do his job. If they don't do his job, and if he knows that they're going to bring shame to his name, and if he knows that they're going to do damage to his kingdom, he'll say, I'm going to give you some time and I'm going to chuck you out. That's it. That's what God did to Saul. Even though he received the spirit of God, even though he got another heart, even though he prophesied, he was removed from the call of God because you've rejected the word of God. God says he has also rejected you from being the king. And where did the word of God come from? Did Saul hear privately somewhere, some revelation? No, it came from the prophet of God. God had placed over his life. Understand this. As we saw this before, God spoke through Moses to his people. It was God speaking to his people. It's the word of God that came from the mouth of Moses. Whatever came from the mouth of the prophet Samuel to the people, it was God's word directly coming to the people. At that point, they better listen. If they said that I don't have to listen to that, I'll do my own thing because I hear from God. Then you are not hearing from God at that point. You're disobedient to what God is speaking. You're not hearing from that point. You're hearing something else. Not God, definitely. So what is God doing here? God is saying that the word I gave to you through my prophet, you rejected that. So I have rejected you. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. What is he doing again? Justifying. He's saying, well, Samuel, you know, there's a reason why I did this. Because the pressure, a lot of pressure. You know that people say, a lot of pressure, a lot of stress and pressure. I did this wrong thing. I didn't obey the Lord's voice and I didn't obey your word. What is he trying to say? He's separating the voice of God from Samuel's voice. That's wrong. 
when God speaks through the servant of God, it's the voice of God that is coming through the servant of God to the king at that point. He's saying, I have not obeyed the commandment of the Lord and your words. It's not and your words. It is the commandment of the Lord, period, because Samuel's words were God's words. It's very important to know this. If we don't know that, we're going to be in big trouble. We need to know the truth. Only the truth can set us free. And now you see here, he says, I have sinned. But his confession, when he says, I have sinned, it's not a true repentance. When people say that, well, I did something wrong, but you know what? And then they accuse a servant of God and they accuse other people. They point fingers at their mom, their dad, their uncle, their aunt, the whole world for what they did. At that point, you know that they have not repented. They have not repented. They just have a face of repentance, but they have not repented. God is speaking to hearts today. True repentance will take ownership to what they did. Thoroughly take ownership to what they did. And humble themselves thoroughly. Fall on their faces before God Almighty. Seeking God for his mercy. Now, he says, Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. What's he doing here? It's not that, please pardon my sin and let the Lord forgive me. And and what do you want me to do now? What should I do to fix this? And that's not what is said of Saul over here. What is he saying? Oh, forgive me. And I need to get back to where I was, you see, because the people are there and I don't want to look bad in front of them. And I need to be in the house of the Lord. Why do you want to be in the house of the Lord? It's because you want an image. Oh, That's not why you should be in the house of the Lord. That's not why you should be worshiping God. Why should you be in the house of the Lord? You should be in the house of the Lord because you want to worship God because you're there for him. Even if you're not a king, you should be in the house of the Lord. But that's not how Saul was. Saul says, please pardon me. And somehow he just come with me and somehow let me in. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. So what is Samuel saying? He didn't say that, well, you have disobeyed the commandments of the Lord and you have, you know, rejected my words too. No, Samuel is saying exactly what he should have said because you're speaking for God. A prophet is a mouth of God, a mouth of God. He's saying here, I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the Lord. and The Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. The position that was given by God to him, which should have continued from him to his generation. That's what the Lord said. Now it's been taken away from him. Will God take away the call of God? Absolutely. Would God remove that which God gave? Absolutely. God gives and God takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. These are the times when God will take it graciously to protect his people. He took that away from Saul's hands. And and as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore. So Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the strength of Israel will not lie or relent for he is not a man that he should relent. Now, I did not read this chapter. God bears witness to me. And I did not read this. I did not read this. This, this, this is now. This is the time I'm actually reading this. I read this before a long time ago, but I didn't read this this week or this month or even last month or even the previous month. I'm not in Sam. God didn't lead me to read other than the message that God brought Sunday in church. That's not, you know, from here. But 
God is bringing this to us today. God gave me a song um, on the um, 20th or 21st, I believe, this month. The song is called The Strength of Israel. Now, I'm so happy to see that scripture as I'm reading this. The Strength of Israel is a very powerful song. The song That song was given to me, uh, I think, a year or a year and a half ago by the Lord. And he, he brought that song to me again, and he added some more to it on that day. It's a very powerful song. He's the strength of Israel. He's called the strength of Israel. The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today. He's torn it. Why? Someone can say, why? I mean, he caught the robe and the robe accidentally turned, you know, you know, tore. And can you just take the kingdom away because, you know, accidentally he tore the robe? Oh, no, no, no. It was, uh, it was something that happened symbolically in the spirit realm. When he is trying to say, oh, no, 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 don't, don't reject me because, um, I still want to be there. God knew that this guy is not going to fulfill what God says. His heart has departed from God. He wants to do his own thing. He's not fit to be there to do God's work because see, if there's no submission to the, authority that God has placed. And if a person cannot fully obey that which God has said, then they cannot fulfill any role in the kingdom of God. That's what happened to Saul. He was not fit at that point to fulfill anything that God had for him there. And so when he touched the garment that Samuel was wearing and it tore, the spirit of God, the anointing of God, the prophetic Spirit of God, anointing of God, Samuel, who is a prophet, turned around and he said, God is speaking at that point. He said that I will not return with you for I have rejected you because you're rejected. And then he says over here when the robe tore, he says, just like this, just like how it happened, the kingdom of Israel from you today has been given to a neighbor of yours who's better than you. Let no one take your crown. 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 It's not a light thing. Don't be Esau. Don't forfeit what God has given. Don't say, well, if they're taking, let them take it. And you know what? I have something else to do. I'll go on. You will be out of the place that God has for you. You'll be doing your own thing. Go into delusion. It's very dangerous. God is speaking at this hour. Let no man take your crown. You know who took Saul's crown? Someone was better than Saul. Someone who was better than Saul. At that point, Saul lost from his call. He was not fit to be there. That means someone who was fit to be there. God says he'll place them there. God is speaking at this hour. It's the spirit of God who's directly speaking at this hour. The Lord speak deep into your spirits. Every single one. Listen to this very carefully. We'll read verse 27 again. As Samuel turned around to go away. Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore. So Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today, has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. And when, when did God give the scripture through prophet Samuel? When? When? He's saying that I've taken this and I've given it to your neighbor. That means it's over. What God has spoken, he is not going to feel sorry over it. 
because he felt sorry over you. He's made his best decision here. He's not going to feel sorry over this. And if he says he's taking it out of your hand, it's over. There's no change in this. How serious? How serious can this be? How serious can this be? Can you take this lightly? May God speak to our hearts today. Verse 30. Then he said, who? Saul. I've sinned, yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. What is he saying? This guy has lost his call. He's lost the kingdom. He's lost his fellowship with God. Everything is gone. Everything is gone. You know, his heart is revealed here. Where is Saul's heart? Where is his heart? Where is his heart? He's a man who was into himself at that point. What is he saying? He says, all right, I've sinned. It's not that I've sinned. Oh, God, is there any way I can get this? I'm so sorry. I will obey from going forward. Lord, I will do everything that you tell me to. I'm so sorry for the disobedience. Forgive me, Lord. It would have solved it. He was not like that before. He tore the prophet's garment. He was not like that even after. He says, all right, I know what I did was wrong, but just come and honor me before the elders and before the people. Just come with me. Now, oh, come with me so that I may worship the Lord your God has been exposed. The mask has been ripped. Did he really want to worship God? No. He was looking for honor. He just wanted everything to look fine in front of the people. But before God, guilty. Before God, dethroned. Before God, everything was taken. What is more important? What is more important, people of God? What is more important? Your image before the human beings who are going to be alive today and dead tomorrow or even today? Or your standing before God? What is more important? What is more important? God is asking you today this question. What is more important? How you look and feel and appear before man or before God? What is God thinking about you? What is God really thinking about you? Do you know what God is really thinking about you? Do you know? Do you care to know? Or are you like Saul saying that, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Until the mask is ripped. God is speaking to our hearts today. Be real. Be real. Be real. Be real. When you're in the presence of God, who you really are matters to him. How others see you doesn't matter. What others really think about you doesn't matter. What God thinks about you matters. If God says, well done, you will have a testimony automatically in the eyes of those around you. Those who are sincere. There are always gainsayers who will lie. But heaven will bear witness. He will say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to her. Will be the command that will come from heaven just like it came for Jesus Christ. Craving for power. Craving for authority. Craving for being seen and heard. Wanting to be seen and heard is not of God. Saul had that. He was not like that before when he got ordained. He was not like that when prophet Samuel came and placed him in the position that God wanted him to because he was sincere. 
What happened to you? What happened to you, Saul? What happened to you? Oh, just come with me. I know I've sinned, but I have sinned. Is that a true repentance? Is that a statement of true repentance? No. Come with me that I may worship the Lord. Was it true? No. God exposed everything right in front. The prophet already saw that. That's why he said that. It's over. Now you really see what was inside. He didn't even care that it was over. He said, I'm the king. I shall be the king till I die. I shall be the king and nobody can take my kingdom. Now you tell me why God sent tormenting spirit upon Saul. Why? Why? The spirit of the Lord departed and then a tormenting spirit was sent. Why? This was a rebellious man. This was a man who was ready to defy. Whatever the Lord spoke through the prophet. God is speaking to hearts today. If someone says that, well, this doesn't come from God and this just, you know, this and this just a problem and this just they're going through. No, 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 no. There are certain things that happen. I spoke about this before, but the Lord wants me to just say it in passing again. There are curses that come from God. They do. And there are curses that come from men. They do. And there are curses that come from Satan. They do. But if you are in the will of God, no curse that comes from man or from Satan will actually land on you. It will not. No witchcraft, no sorcery that is against a servant of God, a family of God, a people of God will ultimately prosper. They'll try, but it will not. A thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. They can come this close, but cannot overpower. Just like Sunday. Satan tried everything he can, but was he able to stop the service? The goal of Satan was to stop the service. Was he able to? No. The plan of the enemy was utterly foiled by the hand of the living God. Whatever Satan tries to do. Yeah. Satan wanted to shut this church down. Was he able to? No. Satan was, Satan's plan was to kill Esther. Was he able to? No. Satan wanted to see a couple of funerals in our house, including mine. Was he able to? No. Until God's work on earth is done, God's work will prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely not. And whatever the enemy sows, it'll go back in a multiplied manner upon his own head. And all those who seek our evil will receive that evil back in a multiplied manner upon their own heads. And what will the evil people see? They will see the prosperity of the people of God. This is the word of God. God will prepare a table for his people in the presence of his enemies. All of them. All of them. But for those who resist the work of God, even what is being given will be taken away from their hands. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisee, which is hypocrisy. Beware of pride, which will take you away from that which God has placed you in. Pride is the number one killer. Remember that. Wanting to be seen and heard is a killer because it replaces God there at that point with self. I have sinned, yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel returned back after Saul and Saul worshiped the Lord. Is it true worship? Is it true worship? It was a show. Samuel went. Now why? It was the judgment of God. You are exposed. I'll come with you. You go worship God for a show. Now, greater judgment falls upon you. After this, after this, 
tormenting spirit came upon Saul. You go into the presence of God in a brazen manner. You go into the presence of God very boldly to touch the things of God, to say that I'm partaking in the worship of God. But your heart doesn't want to, but you just want to put on a show. Greater judgment of God will fall. I tell people this all the time. Even if you drank the previous night, come to the house of God in the morning. Because there's hope for you if you really feel like, God, any deliverance. Even if you did drugs the previous night, come to the house of God the next morning. If you say, God, I need deliverance. I don't want this. There's hope for you. God can deliver you. But if you do all those things and then come to the house of God to put on a show, to show people that you're really good when you're not. You're not really coming for deliverance. You're not, really not coming to seek God, but you're really coming. So everybody can think that you're God. Oh, greater will be the judgment of God. Greater will be the judgment of God. God is speaking to us today. We need to know the truth. We need to know what is important for us. When you do something wrong, it is important to realize that and say that I need to be out of this. I need God's mercy. Oh, God, have mercy on me. And I need to set things right before God. That's how it has to be. God have mercy. If you don't do that, there'll be a hardening of the heart that'll happen on the inside. You won't even know. There'll be a delusion that'll come upon you that you won't even know. You think that all is well, all is well, all is well, all is well, when all is not well. And the fall will be swift and hard. I want to take you to chapter 16. I'm going to close tonight. But you can see what God said to Saul fulfill in chapter 16. Where the word that God spoke to Saul, to Samuel, through Samuel to Saul that God has saw, God has, God is going to appoint somebody who's better than you. It's fulfilled in chapter 16. Where now the anointing of God goes upon David. The spirit of God comes upon him when Samuel anoints him. And that which God gave to Saul, the Spirit of God, departs from Saul. And the man who presumptuously came to the house of God and presumptuously touched the things of God and presumptuously pretended to worship God, now, in front of everybody now, everybody will see, he just put on a show. Now he has evil spirits, tormenting spirit. And can you put on a show after that? Saying that holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Can you do that? No. Because in front of all the eyes that you put on a show, in front of all the eyes God is showing, hey, watch him. Everybody in his palace knows that he's being tormented now. Everybody knew that, oh, he's fake. God pulls the mask away from the people. He'll tear the mask of those who cover themselves with lies and come and put on a show in the house of God. At that point, God will send tormenting spirit. He will. To expose the wickedness, to expose the lies. And the righteous God's judgment fell on Saul. So the tormenting spirit that was sent upon Saul was the judgment of God that came from the hand of God upon Saul. 
And the only thing that would drive away that tormenting spirit temporarily, temporarily, is the anointing of God that was upon David. Because the greater anointing that was involved directly in Saul's life was taken away from him, which was Samuel. From that day onwards, Samuel never saw Saul. Whoa! Whoa! Oh, my God. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. And you know what? He didn't bother with it. He didn't bother with it. He didn't bother that the prophet of God is no more involved in his life. I'll do my own thing. Well, I have David here. Let him play the harp and I get temporary relief and I will use that. So now you have David who was anointed to be the king. He doesn't have the prophet's anointing. David was not a prophet. He was anointed to be the king of Israel. Prophetically, he wrote Psalms. That's the anointing of God that was upon him to be the king, just like how Saul prophesied. David was a king, anointed to be the king of Israel, who bore the spirit of God and who wrote prophetic Psalms. But he's not like prophet Isaiah or prophet Samuel or prophet Jeremiah. He was not called to be a prophet. David was not a prophet. So you look at David, having received that anointing of God, where when he plays instruments, the evil spirit leaves. But can it leave permanently? No. David didn't have the anointing for that, and it cannot leave because that has come from God upon Saul as God's judgment. So he gets the temporary relief. He gets the temporary relief from time to time. Why is even God allowing the temporary relief? To show God's power. To show that. The anointing that God has placed upon David is needed for him for even the temporary relief because he despised the anointing of God that was on Samuel. He despised the anointing of God that was on Samuel. God put Samuel as his guide and as his guard to keep him in his role to fulfill the will of God. But he despised it and he despised the presence of God and he came and he faked it in the house of God. Now God's judgment came upon Saul. And what happens? Now, whatever David is doing, worship, is relieving him temporarily, and he's content with that. And in the meantime, while David, uh, his anointing is giving temporary relief to Saul, Saul is also trying to kill David at the same time. You see that? The true color, the true version, the true person of Saul is exposed. He wanted to lie in front of people. God says, well, you want that? Let Samuel go because it'll be a judgment for you right there. Anytime God moves the servants of God to do something, sometimes people from outside can say, why is he doing that? Doesn't he know that they quickly open their mouth and speak too soon? Don't speak too soon because God's servants exactly know what they're doing. They are moved by the spirit of God to do certain things. In Saul's case, it was a judgment of God. It's not Samuel agreeing to go and Say yes to Saul's hypocrisy. No, it was God's judgment. God sent the prophet of God there as a judgment of God for Saul. Remember this. Remember this. Remember this. The grace of God that appears to us should never be in vain over our lives. 
Whatever the Lord tells us to do, we need to do it. God is very fair. He's not somebody who just sits on the throne and says, well, I'm going to send this spirit today, and I'm going to send this spirit today, and let me torment them. No, 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 no. He's very loving. God is very loving, very kind. At the same time, he's a just God. When he sees hypocrisy, when he sees people rising up against the anointing of God, and those God is used in their lives to bring healing and deliverance, at that point, God himself will send tormenting spirits over their lives. When God sees people come and play in the church to trick God, try to trick God and try to trick the prophets of God, God will allow that so that God can judge them. God is speaking to our hearts today. These chapters are very important. These are kept in the Bible. These are placed in God's word so that we can really know the character of God. We should really know our place in the kingdom of God. We should really know the place of God's prophets. We should really know the place of God's servants in the house of God, the role. And when we talk to them, we need to have the fear of God. It's very important. Some people are very casual when they approach God's servants. It's not a good thing. We need to have the reverence of God that has to be there at all times. We need to know that when the counsel of God, when the word of God comes from the servants of God, And if it is coming, know that it is God speaking to you. Take it and do it. It'll be a blessing. Do it fully. It's better to do it fully than to do it partially. For that, you don't have to do it at all. Because God sees it. Because that's deception at that point. Be honest. Be real in your dealings with God. Because God will not stand lies. Lies come from Lucifer. Don't give room to pride, because pride is not from God. Pride is Lucifer's trait. He fell from his call. And he's waiting to see how he can push people down from their call. By bringing pride to them, don't partner with it. And also, there's an encouragement to God's people. God is the God who will bring justice to your situation. No matter what you're going through, the Lord God who sees, the Lord God who cares, he'll bring justice to your situation. And also remember, no believer should dabble in the occult. No person should partner with demonic spirits. Because when you do, you're giving your life over to tormenting spirits. You're giving your life over to demons. You're giving your life over to that which is there to kill, steal, and destroy. Because Satan is not your friend. He's your enemy. Because you've been created in the image of God Almighty. He hates you. He will trick you into doing what he wants you to do so that you can be his slave for good. And he will take you to the place of eternal torment where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Even if you cry all you want and say, God, help me. Your voice will not be heard in a place where Satan lives forever. So understand that now is the time. Now we can cry out to God. Now we can call out to him and he will answer us. Now we can fall on our faces before God and thoroughly repent for our sins. And he will answer us. Now, now is the time. Not when our time is over. Now is the time. Once it's over, it's over. You know how many people know that they received a rebate check in the mail and, uh, that they have to just apply it before the deadline. But they will see it a week later. 
some people, they'll see it a, a day later. But you know what? It becomes invalid. Now is the time. This is the time for you to seek God. The Bible says, seek him while he may be found. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the unrighteous leave his unrighteous ways. Let the wicked leave his wicked ways. Look to God. Now is the time. Now is the time. Now is the time. Now is the time. Not later. Now is the time. Shall we close our eyes and look to the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us from your Holy Word. With the Lord God, the strength of Israel. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, our God, the strength of Israel. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You never faint. You never grow weary. Hallelujah. You're the strength of Israel. Hallelujah. You give strength to the faith, the strength of Israel. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the place that you have for every single person in your kingdom. Let no one lose that which you have for them. Let no one let the enemy take that which belongs to them. That God says, I want to give it to you. Let no one forfeit that father. Let no one lose their crown father, I pray. Bless every single one here. Lord, I pray, may the fear of the Lord, the healthy fear of the Lord that they should have be upon them in Jesus' name. Bless your people. 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 Bless your people this night in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Holy Spirit, that the word that you have spoken to your people may be received with humility so that it can save their souls. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're such a faithful God. Such a faithful God. We praise you for this night that you gave to us, where your word was given to us, the way that you wanted it to be given. I thank you, Lord. I pray that you will continue to bless your people all through this week. Let the word of God bring hope, bring strength, bring repentance, reconciliation, bring, Father, new life and restoration to all those who are in need. And I pray that the Lord God Almighty bring justice in the lives of those who need justice. And I pray, Father, that you glorify Jesus Christ in our lives this week. I thank you and praise you. In Jesus' most precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us and bless us with his peace. 
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God the Father, and the sweet fellowship of his Holy Spirit rest and remain with us all now and until we see Jesus face to face. Amen. Amen.